Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence that we have sensed this morning. We recognize that your presence has not left us. And we have some special music. Thank you, Lord. Uh, But we also pray that your presence continues in such a way that you open our eyes and our hearts and our minds. We would hear the voice of your spirit and that you would uh, motivate and challenge each one of us. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As I said, uh, in a moment, we'll go to the book of Acts. And then after a while, I'm going to ask you to turn to Isaiah 58 if you're one of those that likes to mark a spot or get ahead. But engaging with God through prayer and fasting. Uh, This is not an exhaustive message today. As a matter of fact, there may be several follow-ups to this to try to help us along our way. And it's no accident, obviously, that today we begin Awake in Nashville. And then I'm calling all of Abundant Life Church to, uh, to a time of prayer and fasting over the next several weeks. Um, but I just want to read a couple of three verses. Uh, if you've turned to Acts chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 12. Uh, and as you can see on the screen, we're going to read through 14. Then I'm going to skip over to 242. If you would not mind standing while we read the Word of God, today I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And then over to chapter 2, verse 42, one verse, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. You can be seated. Acts 1 obviously follows Jesus' ascension. And he told the disciples to go into Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. And so they did. And the scripture tells us that they continued in prayer in one accord. Acts 2.42 follows Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. That was followed by 3,000 people coming to Christ. And then it says they devoted themselves. And for the sake of our study today, they devoted themselves to prayer. Um, just a few more verses. If you're a note taker, you can just write these down. Romans 12 says that we should per- persevere earnestly in prayer. That is the Granger translation. You can buy that nowhere. <laughs> persevere earnestly in prayer. Uh, Colossians says that we should continue steadfastly in prayer and keeping alert in it. It is important that we keep alert in our prayer. And then Jeremiah, some of you are familiar with this, said that then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. How about that? A lot of us like to get on 29-11 that we have a future and a hope, but we miss the following verses sometimes. And we also miss the fact that Jeremiah 29-11 was spoken to a church being judged or a nation being judged. 
And then finally, Deuteronomy 4 says, What great nation is there that has a God so near? Everybody say, so near. To it as as is the Lord our God whenever we call on him. You know, try calling on the God of Buddhism. Try calling on the God of Hinduism. I, I call on the God of Hinduism occasionally when I visit Longhorn Steakhouse and Stony River and places like that. It just doesn't work. But we have a God who is near. And we call on him. Um, I must confess, I probably shouldn't do this, but I must confess to you that I don't see myself as a prayer warrior. I wish I was. I wish I was more of a prayer warrior. But I understand prayer. I do pray. If I didn't pray, I couldn't do this. Um, and a lot of other things I do. But I, I want to understand prayer, and I want us to understand prayer. And... Uh, so that's the first thing we're going to talk about, understanding prayer. And one of the definitions that we find for prayer is that we would face toward and call out to someone. We would face toward and call out. You know, prayer is not something that we do by accident. Prayer is not something we do as a second thing or a third thing. It is the thing. And it's a direct approach to God. We do not have hindrances between us and God. As I prayed earlier, that the veil has been torn. There is no veil, there is no wall keeping us from the presence of God. There is no priest who can only go in once a year to the Holy of Holies on your behalf. You are a priest in God. And you go into the Holy of Holies and you take a direct approach to God talking to Him. Prayer is our way of connecting to this invisible eternal Lord that we worship. And from this invisible eternal Lord flows to us benevolence and power and strength and provision and direction and fellowship. But prayer is our source of connection. It's like trying to connect to a wall outlet without plugging the, the plug into the outlet. And we want to get juice. We want to get juice. You know, that's southern for electricity. <laughs> we want to get electricity out of that wall outlet, but we don't plug anything into it. We want to get stuff from God. We want to receive from God, but we don't connect. And our vehicle of connection is prayer. Now, one of the one of the things that hinders us sometimes from praying is we read stories of people that pray for three hours and eight hours and days, and that we think that's the norm. I'm not criticizing that at all because there are people called to that, but I don't believe that's the norm. But neither is the norm of not connecting, because we must connect. To the Lord. Praying is an encounter with a person. Let's, let's read that together. It is an encounter with a person. One more time. An encounter with a person. It's not just praying to a ceiling. It's not just uttering some words, hoping they bounce around and find some landing place. But we are actually encountering and interacting with a person. 
it, it's important that we uh, embrace precepts of the Scripture. It's important that we see the value of principles that God lays out in His Word. It's important that we study theology, which is nothing more than the study of God, learning about God. It's important that we have right doctrine. But none of that is means a thing. None of that has any value unless... We're encountering a person first. And if we encounter Jesus Christ, the person, we will get good precepts and, and principles and theology. We'll get all of that. But that alone, we just become spiritual eggheads. Prayer, we must understand that prayer is a two-way exchange. Some of us think that praying is just say, hey, God, shut up and listen to what I got to say. Some of us go the other way. We want to hear what God has to say. But it's a two-way exchange. May I recommend a book to you? I learned this really good lesson from this guy, Richard Foster. The book is entitled Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. You can find that. It's been out for many, many years, so it'd be easy to find. But it's one of the best books I've ever read on the topic of prayer. It's very simple. But one of the things that he really emphasizes is that sometimes we just need to be quiet and hear what God has to say. Um, anyway, not only is prayer our encountering a person, but it's God's method of gaining and keeping our attention. If God gets us to pray, he has our attention. Now, sometimes God creates and allows circumstances. So everybody say circumstances. And you know what I mean. You know, somebody said, you know, there will always be testing in public schools. As I mean, prayer, as long as there's tests. As long as they're giving tests in public schools, there will be prayer in schools, whether they want it or not. And sometimes God allows and sometimes creates circumstances that will drive us to saying, oh, God. Again, Jeremiah 29, 13, he said, you will seek me and you will find me. When? Everybody say when. when. Say it again. When? when? When you search for me with all your heart. So if you want to seek God and find God, then we've got to search for him with all of our heart, with everything that we have, so that he has our attention. Oswald Chambers says whenever the insistence is on the point that God answers prayer, we are off the track. The meaning of prayer is, is that we get a hold of God, not of the answer. Does God answer prayer? Absolutely. Do things happen when we pray? Absolutely. But if our entire motive is to get an answer, according to Oswald Chambers, and I think according to the scripture, we're missing it. Because the intention that God, the reason God has set up his spiritual economy in such a way that we have to pray is because that's the way he connects with us and he gets our attention and we face him. It's also an opportunity to exercise a discipline. We all need to exercise disciplines, things that we do on a regular basis. Ephesians says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, a discipline to petition and to pray to God on a regular basis um, to, to his throne. 
We'll probably spend some more time on a future Sunday on this, but it's also a means to see God's will done in the earth. And then we'll, that's First John 5, I'm not going to go there except to say that one of the, one of the keys that God gives us of the keys to the kingdom is to pray His will in the earth. When Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it is in heaven, the way you and I accomplish that, first and foremost, is that we pray according to 1 John 5, according to his will. Or we pray his will from heaven onto earth. And again, we might just revisit that in a future day. But this is what prayer is. This is why prayer is. And, and if we understand, I want us to, if nothing else, we understand that it's our connection to God. And the reason we pray is to get a hold of God. And you know what happens when you get a hold of God? He gets a hold of you. Is that okay? I know it scares us to death. Just just for the sake of academia, there are different kinds of prayer, different types of prayer that the Scripture shows us. And the first one is one that we're most familiar with, and that is a public prayer, praying in public. Uh, My father-in-law, who was in heaven, used to joke that when he was a pastor, uh, he had... uh, he had one deacon that couldn't even lead in silent prayer. <laughs> and I dare say there are some of you in this room that could not lead us in silent prayer. But there are a lot of people who can't lead us in public prayer. But this is one type of prayer that the Scripture gives us. Uh, John 11, Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of these people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. Have you ever heard people say, well, that guy just prays to be heard? Well, sometimes that's good. Some of the best preaching I ever heard were in prayers. Now, you know, they might have been better served to preach a sermon, but I've heard good communication and good, good, uh, well, just good information through prayer. And Jesus said, I didn't pray this out loud because I doubted you. I wanted them to hear it. I wanted their faith to grow. Public prayer. There's a value in that. And then Jesus later on said, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So if you're going to, if two people or three people are going to agree then uh, unless you have telepathic abilities, there has to be some out loud praying done. And I pray that you don't have telepathic abilities. Then I got to cast a demon out of you. <laughs> Value in public prayer. When someone's praying in public, or if you're praying in public, pray. Just pray what God wants you to pray. But listen. Obviously, there's also the private prayer, which is highly valuable to us. Private prayer. Uh, Luke 5 says when Jesus himself, Jesus, but Jesus himself would often slip away. Say often. He would slip away to the wilderness and pray by himself. Now, we know that on many of those occasions, people found out where he was and they come and busted up his prayer meeting. But he'd slip away by himself to pray. And while public prayer has high value, private prayer also has extreme value. Don't limit your prayer to either one. Uh, Matthew 6, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, 
And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There is a time that we must find that place. It doesn't have to be a closet. Uh, It doesn't have to be uh, an inner room. It can be just the point there is that we get alone, away from distractions, away from cell phones and all the other stuff that distract us, and just spend time with God. There's also the issue of devotional prayer, which is part of private prayer, and that's when we're we're being we're devoting ourselves and we're trying to be devoted and we're trying to find God. But I thought of this scripture in John five thirty nine. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Now, hear what I'm hear what I'm saying and do not walk out of here misunderstanding what I'm saying. We do not worship the Bible. The Bible is not God. It is the Word of God. And I think sometimes we have to be careful that we don't find ourselves worshiping the Scriptures. And we see the Scriptures as maybe, maybe we see the Scriptures as, as those coins that we put into a vending machine and try to get something out of the vending machine. Oh, Lord, I pray they understand this. A lot of times the Bible is used in witchcraft by Christians. When we take the the scriptures and we try to manipulate them and cause them to be God and cause them to do something, we've missed. Jesus said, you're looking in the scriptures to find eternal life. And I'm standing right here the whole time. And they're talking about me. I encourage you when you re- and read the scripture. Y'all know. Y'all been around here. I believe this. The scriptures is the inerrant word of God. I believe the standard of our life and the standard of our living comes from the scriptures. When you read the scriptures, don't be looking for a tool or a coin. Be looking for a Jesus. Let the scriptures point you. And bring you to Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore the scriptures. Don't avoid reading the scriptures and studying them. But Jesus said, you're in searching the scriptures, and really that's a good thing, except you missed the point. The point is, they're about me. And life comes from the Lord Jesus. Okay. Another, probably the most common one that we know, a type of prayer is petition. If you're taking notes, just write down James 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Now, this is just simple, everyday common sense, which, by the way, you know, has become a superpower. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Well, duh. No, we don't pray. We try to figure it out. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Yeah, buddy. Is anyone among you sick? Well, then let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Not right now, hopefully. 
and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Petition. God calls us to petition him. One of the things we need to make sure of is that we don't, we don't major on any one of these types of prayers. We major on public and not private, or we only pray private or we don't pray publicly. And we don't, we, we, we do different things besides petitioning God. God calls us to petition him. Another type of prayer we don't think about is, is the prayer of praise. That in our prayer, we would honor God. Um, again, James 5.13, I just read it. Uh, if I could see it, I'd read it again. There it is. If you're cheerful, praise. But watch this verse. Jesus said, or the Bible says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. Jesus said, I praise you, Father. So in his prayer, he didn't ask him for anything. He just said, I praise you for being God. And there are times that that's an important prayer. There There are times that all we need to do is open our mouth and offer praise to God. And by the way, if you're going to get into God's presence, that's the first thing you should do. If you want to, anytime we come before the throne of God, we should begin with gratitude. We should begin with praise and thanksgiving to God in those times. Sometimes, if you will begin your time in God's presence with thanksgiving and praise, sometimes that problem that you thought was such a huge problem becomes not such a huge problem after all. Things grow strangely dim. Nehemiah said, you alone are the Lord. This is a prayer, by the way. You have made the heavens. The heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out from Ur of the Chaldees and gave him the name Abraham. He didn't ask him for anything. He just praised his name. I want us to see all of these as, as prayer, not just one. All of them. And so if you haven't turned to Isaiah 58, if you do so, I want to talk about proper fasting. Um, proper fasting. We have to read. I used to have an Isaiah 58 in this Bible. Somebody stole it. There it is right there. Isaiah 58. Verses 1 through 9, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation. Did you see as if there? As if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. In other words, they really like having me on their side. Verse 3, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. 
Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call a fast? Or call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord. We'll read the other verses in a moment. He's dealing with Israel who have, they're fasting for the wrong reasons. By the way, the Hebrew word there for fasting literally means to cover your mouth. It's a good diet plan too, by the way. <laughs> cover your mouth. Withhold from yourself. And so he's dealing with Israel who are fasting for the wrong reasons and they're going through an exercise of religious activity but not from the heart. Do you think it's possible for Christians today to go through religious activity exercises without the activity of the heart, without the giving of the heart, looking for results just because we did something religious? I told you, I love meeting people for the first time and they find out I'm a pastor. Actually, I don't. But anyway, when that happens, <laughs> about half the time I get this reaction. Oh, well, you know, my church, we serve at the rescue mission. Or my church, we go to Guatemala. And what I want to ask them is, when have you done any of that? Because you know they haven't. They didn't say, I go, my church goes. And because my church does it, then that includes me. What is that? That's a religious, that's piggybacking a religious activity. Lord, help me get out of this. <laughs> it's exercise without the heart. It's religious things. Albert Barnes is a commentator that I, I, I rely on, and I think he's very good. He's very dead, but he's very good. <laughs> Which makes him very good. My friend in Louisiana, William Curry, says, I don't read anything but dead people. But anyway, let's, this is what Albert Barnes has to say about this. He says, there may be a great deal of busy and bustling solicitude about the order of religious services, the external organization of the church, the ranks of the clergy, and the claims of a liturgy. There may be much pleasure in theological discussion, in the metaphysics of theology in the defense of what is deemed orthodoxy. And there may be much pleasure in the mere music of devotion. There may be pleasure in the voice of a preacher and in the power of his arguments. And there may be much pleasure in the advancement of the denomination to which we are attached, the conversion of people not from sin, but from a side opposite to us, and not to holiness and to God, but to our party and our denomination. True delight in religion is in religion itself, in the service of God as such, and because it is holy. Where is our heart? They said in verse 3, they said, we've done all this fasting. Where did it get us? That's an indicator. Are we fasting to get something? Are we fasting just to gain something? Are we fasting to move God and change his mind? Now, I just happen to be of a theological persuasion. 
I do not believe that we can change God's mind. You might. And that's okay. I won't, we won't dis, disfellowship you or anything like that. Where did this get us? We're fasting to gain something. We're fasting for personal gain. In the verse 4 in the New Living Translation, it says, What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. What do you think you're, what do you think you're doing? And then let me read the, the other three verses, 6, 7, and 8. Is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free? And to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the, into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light, notice that, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall speed up, bring, spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. His fast. His, what is his fast? Keith Phillips is a contributor to the Spiritual Life Bible that some of you are holding. And he says fasting and personal holiness are acceptable to God only when we have our priorities straight. If we're fasting and praying just to get something from God, we might need to reassess. If we're fasting and praying to get God to do something uh, that he doesn't want to do, we definitely need to reassess. Where, where are our priorities? Um, and why do we fast? Now, this, is again, is not an exhaustive list. We probably could have spent the whole time, but I'm just going to give you a few. Why do we fast? Why do we withhold, in most cases, food of some kind for some period of time? And uh, first of all, it's to, we deny our carnal nature in order to fulfill the desires of God. Can I tell you there's a war? Paul said there's a war between our spirit and our flesh. There's a war between what God wants us to do and what we want to do. And so when we take some period of time and we deny our flesh, it allows our flesh to, well, basically go to sleep or die. And it allows God's God's desires to come to the forefront. It, it's also, in fasting, we gain spiritual clarity because we're denying our flesh. So what happens is we begin to with, withhold from our flesh something, and we see things clearer. We see God clearer. We hear his voice clearer. When we read the scriptures, we see him clearer because we have withdrawn the flesh from the equation. Paul said, I die daily. And Jesus said, if you want to come after me, then you must take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. The more we can deny ourselves, the closer we get to God and the clearer we see, which is why John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. There's a, there's a key there. Another thing, and this is, is that we fast to change us not God. We don't fast, and I said that earlier. We don't fast to change God. We fast to change us. Back to Oswald Chambers. 
Prayer is not getting things from God that, in, that is the most initial stage. Prayer is getting into perfect communion with God. Or prayer is not trying to get God in step with us, but prayer is to get us in step with God. Prayer is not God, I've got this deal here, I've got, and I want you to come bless it. I want you to come get involved in what I'm doing. No, prayer is God, what are you doing? I want to get involved in that. What is your purpose? What is your will? What do you desire? You say, well, I don't know what he desires. We have 66 books here that tell us what he desires. In one book. And by the Holy Spirit, he'll show you what he desires. So fasting is not to change us or to change God, but to change us. And to draw us in close communion with God. Psalm Psalm something, 37, I think, anyway, says uh, that if we delight ourselves in God, he'll give us the desires of our heart. Now, way back when we were in the height of the charismatic movement, back in the early 70s, we got a hold of that verse and we thought, ooh, I like this. God's going to give me what I want. And we started telling God what we wanted. And God put up with us for a while because we were young and dumb. Those don't have to go together, but in our case, it was true. And one day, the Lord began to show us that we had missed part of that equation. All we saw was God's given us the desires of our heart. (laughs) And the Lord said, go back and read the first part of that verse. So it says, if you... Everybody say delight. If you delight yourself in God, what does that mean? Well, if you delight yourself in God, then you can't be delighting yourself in yourself. And in some ways, the Hebrew word there means to become ensnared with God, to become encaptured by God. And the secret is this. That if we become ensnared and encaptured with God to such a degree that we are not ensnared or encaptured with ourselves, then he will give us the desires of our heart. Because now the desires of our heart are his. I hate to break your bubble, bust your bubble. I don't know about all that. It's about him. Then, everybody say then, and that's the beginning of verse 8, then, then he says, our light breaks forth. Now, wait a minute, our light? Yeah, because now Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He also said he was the light of the world. That's because we're connected to him. If we're connected to him, we reflect his light. We give his light. He said, your light will break forth. Indicating that if we're not willing to come to a time of prayer and fasting, at least on some occasions, then the difficulty of our light breaking forth becomes evident. Because we, we have muddied our world with us.
Y'all have heard me quote the old Pogo comic strip so many times. You probably haven't memorized. He said, we have met the enemy, and he is us. We have met the enemy, and he is us. Our biggest enemy is ourselves. Some people used to tell the story about the devil sitting beside the road crying. And people came along and said, what's wrong with you? He said, well, I do a lot of bad stuff in the world, but I get blamed for stuff that I never did. We always want to say, well, it's the devil. Sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's our flesh, and we give in to our flesh. When I quoted Flip Wilson, Adam said, who's Flip Wilson? But anyway, Flip Wilson said, the devil made me do it. It was actually Geraldine, Flip Wilson's alter ego. And now you really don't know who I'm talking about. He says, he says, if you then, there will be speedy health. Do you like that? Y'all didn't like it much as I thought you would. He said, your healing shall spring up speedily. Why? He said, then. Then at what? After the fast that he chose. Then. That, and when I say speedy health or recovery, we're not just talking about physical, but we're also talking about spiritual healing. We're talking about emotional healing. Some people just need their hearts fixed. Some people just need their emotions under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And they need to, to allow the Holy Spirit to heal them speedily. He says, then our righteousness will, shall be our leader. Our righteousness in God, our right standing with God will be the thing that leads us. How many of us know that there are other things other than our righteousness that lead us sometimes? Well, I do. Sometimes I do things and say things and go places that are not led by my righteousness. And he says, the glory of the Lord is to be our rear guard. So our righteousness is leading us and the glory of God, God, glory of God, it's easy for me to say, is our rear guard. Then, it comes after then, people, then. Finally, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Probably the most valuable asset of engaging with God through prayer and fasting is that when we call, he will answer. And when we cry, he will say, I'm right here. Crying, indicating suffering or indicating dis being distraught over what we face. He said, I'm right here. I am a God who is close. I am a God who is near. I will answer. I don't have to tell you that sometimes the answer is no. I don't have to tell you that sometimes, truth is, sometimes the answer is that there's no answer. Thank God for unanswered prayers. Garth Brooks, that great theologian. But the fact is, 
as we posture ourselves in prayer and fasting to whatever degree, we will find, we will find clarity. We will find fulfillment. We will find the ability to hear God and to obey God. For isn't that the end result? Amen? Stand with me.